Have you got a good intro for us this week, Tony? <laughs> um, I should really think of these ahead, shouldn't I? We're two weeks away from the big NC500 trip and there's nine bars of pressure building. This is Auntie Coffee. I'm sorry, was that your auntie? Was that your auntie? Was that your auntie? Anybody want coffee? I'll make a coffee. Very inside joke for coffee fans yeah. amongst you there. It's niche. Niche. You it also niche. need to know what the NC500 is, but if you don't know what that is, after seven episodes, can't help you. Uh, hey, listen, it's me, Todd Whiteford. And me, Tony Lee Johnson. And Tony, give the fans a, a sense of context. We're on, back on the Belladrome. Back on the Belladrome. Last time we were on here, I got a little bit of feedback saying that the episode sounded a little bit pornographic because of the sprints that we were doing. Was it negative feedback or positive? Quite positive. A bit nice. strange. <laughs> but yeah, back on the Belladrome. But we're not the only one who's been going around in circles this week, are we, Todd? No. Tell you who else has been going around in circles very successfully. Our man, friend of the podcast, Mark Stewart. Boof, boof, boof. Winning the Omnium last night. Let me tell you, it's what we said. You come on this podcast, you win stuff. It's simple. So, listen, we've had a few, we've had a few nibbles from some of the big stars trying to get a competitive edge this year already. But uh, the, the data speaks for itself. Becky Story also still absolutely killing it. She's still the number one ranked British female road cyclist this year. Amazing, nice work, Becky. So. And I heard that at the London Coffee Festival this week, Agnes almost won the Coffee Masters just being sat in the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. she's that good. She was giving off the, the aura of a champ. And that's how we do it on anti-coffee. <laughs> and the Zone 1 killer, Rab Wardell, has been picking up KOMs the way I pick up my breakfast in the morning. You know, he has actually got more KOMs than I've had hot breakfast <laughs> right now. And uh, it's Mr. Steel, your local legend. <laughs> Can't believe it. From out of nowhere. Yeah, so good for him. Good for everyone. Yeah. Quick, quick diversion. I just want to add something else about fans because we had a bit of chat on the socials this week. So Another almost famous Mr. Cruz got in touch. Uh, the Cruz. The Mr. Cruz. Mr. Ian Cruz. Ian Cruz. Yeah, he's been hitting us up on Instagram, giving us all the hot tips for where to go for food, drink, music on the North Coast 500. He did it in four days with his pal, with his pal, Ceramic Senor. Nice Hola, name. Hola, Ceramic Senor. Yeah, thank you very much for the records. Yeah. And we'll, we'll probably discuss them at length at some point. Uh, but yeah, actually, I can't, I cannot wait for 
the NC500 now. We're two weeks away. Two weeks, actually, two weeks today. This is coming out on Tuesday. We leave for Inverness, so. But that, that wee bit of uh, info from Mr. Cruz has really made me think like, ah, oh, there's so much more to it than just riding the bike. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. So thank you very much. Yeah, we also had some very sad news this week, obviously for the Scottish cycling community uh, and the cycling community at large as well, uh, with the sad passing of Richard Moore. Big inspiration to both of us for cycling and for podcasting, isn't he? Probably wouldn't be doing what we're doing yeah. if it wasn't for him. The thoughts going out to his family and everyone else. Well, inspirational character. Yeah. Yeah. But this week's, day, this week's guest, it fits perfectly, Tony, doesn't it? Our Italian uh, culture correspondent, Leon Siron, who uh, graced us with his presence. Is it worth saying we did a good episode with him yeah. like three weeks ago? And unfortunately, the file was corrupted. Uh, so he was good enough to come and sit with us again. We had some pastries and coffee. That's why uh, you can hear us all munching at the very start. <laughs> if you're triggered with that, I can't help you. <laughs> you're just gonna have to get used to it. Yeah, Leon came down. To be honest, I almost wanted to corrupt this file as well, <laughs> just so he'd come over again. Yeah, yeah. Such a nice guy. And yeah, this is us speaking with Leon. Empty my mouth first. <laughs> Not do pizza gate again. Yeah. <laughs> you know how like I think there's some people oh, in fact, so right, my wife did a one of those twenty-three and me tests. You know you send like your DNA away. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she did that. She's her mum's from Mauritius. So generally I was like, alright, you're half Mauritian, half Scottish, but she's like, whatever it comes back, like two percent French a little bit of Irish, and then basically like the Mauritius side, because a huge majority of Mauritian people are just, have come from like Pakistan and India. So she's like uh, 48% Punjabi. Like, it's amazing. And then it goes through, this is a long way of getting to the point, Leon, but basically <laughs> it then goes through this thing of like your genetic makeup. And it's like, you are 67% more likely to be disgusted by the sound of someone eating. <laughs> like all these weird really? things you what? are yeah it was like 80, 85% chance you you have a sticky and wet earwax and 13% chance you have dry flaky earwax you've got whatever 40% chance of having dimples 60% chance of having not dimples and it's oh, all yeah. because they know from DNA and genetics that that's how that works that's so mad, isn't it? basically that's a long way of saying like I'm not triggered by the sound of people eating <laughs> but I bet you if you are, it's the same as like when I'm triggered by people snoring. So yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd want to know that much about myself, yeah. but where I'm from, I'd be interested in, you know, yeah. to break it down properly, but I don't know if I'd want to know what my insides felt like. I know. Yeah. You're 
70% chance you could have dandruff, 30% chance you won't. You don't need a test. You, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you don't need to pay somebody have a yeah. much. I've got head and shoulders in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. I'm 100% chance. Yeah. Yeah. Zero, according to the advert. Yeah, it could be, I suppose it'd be interesting for you, right, because your dad's Italian. Mm. Your mum's British. She's uh, half Jamaican, half English. No way. Oh, that's cool. So you have, like, huge... Yes, it'd be a bit interesting mix. to... They wouldn't know what to do with your earwax. Yeah. <laughs> one of those tests are quite good to do just before a world cup because if you've got a percent of french at least yeah, you, can yeah. cheer, you know you might exactly. have like five teams you can yeah, cheer yeah. on jamaica go on a rerun yeah, yeah. like don't worry guys it's all it's all part of me yeah so i guess like since we saw you last our destination has changed so when we spoke to you before the destination was warsaw but because of the conflict they've moved the venue i don't know if tony's told you do you know where the new venue is i do milan not a bad place. You've been right? I've only ever been um, on a couple of raffer shoots, and it's one of those things where we've never really got to... Well, actually, we get to explore the city, but not properly, if that makes any sense. You're just kind of riding through it, and there's lots of places you want to stop and go and have a look at, but you never really get a chance when you're on a shoot. And then uh, I've been to Lake Como a couple of times, and you kind of leave from Milan, get yeah. the train from Milan, so again... I've seen plenty of Milan train station, which is pretty beautiful. Nice. And had one of the best sandwiches ever outside of Milan train station at some little... It looked quite poxy, to be honest, but it's actually one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. So I know Milan a little bit, but not, not nice. as much as I'd like to say I do. This is the oldest, best sandwich shop in Milan. Nobody knows about it, but this has been here since, you know, like 1700s. Yes. It definitely felt like one of those places. And like I said, when me and... Uh, Jess first got there, we was absolutely starving and we kind of looked at each other and was kind of like, you know, do we want to start off our holiday with like food poisoning when we get to Como? <laughs> it kind of had that vibe about it, but it obviously was, wasn't and it was the best sandwich or one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. And you've been up the Madonna del Gisalo? Yes. The cycling pilgrimage. We're going to hit that on the way in. Hopefully we're coming up and over the Splugen Pass. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, we unfortunately, well, unfortunately... We didn't do it on bikes, so I dragged Jess up. We ran up it. I don't know what was a... If doing it on a bike would have been easier, if running was, was harder. But was it like pretty steep? So we went up the side from... Let me get this right. From Bellagio, if I'm correct, is not the side they go up. I don't think they go up that side on the race, mm. on the Tour Lombardia. Oh, yeah, they yeah. go up the other way, I think. They go up the other way. Yeah. Or whether they do, whether they do it on both sides, if there's a loop, but... I mean, there was a lot think, of cyclists going yeah. up the way we went, but it's yeah. not. I don't think it's a famous side. Did you run up on the, the road on like the side? Yeah, of the road we ran up there. the side of the road. So I dragged Jess out of bed at about five o'clock to get the first ferry across to Bellagio, um, where Mr. George Clooney lives, spends all his Nespresso money, um, <laughs> and then we uh, we um, we ran we ran up the side, got to the got to the church and the museum, kissed the picture of my hero Nibali. Yeah, and they had like a little like vintage bike market which was amazing. It was like a Saturday morning, so they had all the old steel frames out, you know, oh, all these old Italian bike makers that aren't around anymore. They had all the old frames out, all old Campag jerseys, oh, you know, rider yeah. cards. So yeah, I was in my element, Jess yeah. was just kind of like, yeah, all right. Because you're into it, like, so like, the th one of the things we always talk about is like, the couture, but also like, it's just the cultural, like the nostalgia around cycling and you're, you're well into that. Yeah, I think I'm into it as well, just because, you know, you know, I work in fashion retail and stuff, and I just, no disrespect to any of the riders in today's modern peloton, but they just, 
you know, there's just something so much cooler about those guys, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, the tracksuits they used to wear off the bike, you know, just the whole, I think the whole look for me, there's just something quite, you know, romantic if you want to use the word. Yeah. And, you know, like, again, going back to like the riders' cards they used to do and like the team adverts. And again, I think we spoke about it, you know, the last time we were together, just the kits back then and just everything was so much more aesthetically pleasing for me, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, it's interesting that, like, now, you know, think of, the, like, the peloton of, like, what, 150 riders. You can pull out a handful of them who are, I guess, like, they sit out with the, 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 the realms and they're interesting. But, like, yeah, back in the day, I guess it was, like, yeah, sort of, they're all a bit like that. They're yeah. all a bit unhinged, all a bit, like, have something else about them. Whereas now there's, like, a lot of people in the Froom robot kind of mould Again, back then, like every kit you could probably differentiate and even up to, you know, maybe a few years ago, five or six years ago, the Peloton looked, you know, really different and you could probably, you know, from that helicopter shot, you could spot most kits. I feel now at a lot of races, you kind of see that helicopter shot and it's just a bit like, well, he's got black or blue or yeah, there's yeah. no really, not many kits, again, that make me go well anymore. And then the full, the full like... I don't know, like six inch sunglasses as well. So even now, like recognizing riders, especially if they're all, you know, like lining up for the sprint and stuff, it's like, well, you know, that's White Van Art because he's got the Belgian yeah. champs jersey. You know, that's Alaphilippe because he's got the world champs jersey. But like, other than that, yeah, I know what you mean. They kind of just like, yeah, it's just a bit of a blending together. Like a shoal of fish just kind of like <laughs> yeah, yeah, weaving yeah, yeah. their way through. Yeah, I wouldn't like to be a commentator trying to pick pick out who's who having to look down a sheet at what number it is and then back to oh they just make it up half the time though, <laughs> oh, yeah they, well Carlton Kirby does most <laughs> of the yeah it makes you appreciate the national kits because then you know those those mm. people you're like oh yeah yeah that's them that's them yeah. and that's I guess your Italian national kits your go to go to pro kit to ride in that is, is probably them? my favorite my favorite kit although I did get one delivered yesterday by a guy, um, VC Onward, they're called, and he's done like an Inter Milan yeah. type kit. I saw it on your Instagram. Yeah, that, that might beautiful. be my new, my new fave. So it's actually a, it's a cycling jersey. It's a cycling jersey, but he's kind of put a spin on the Inter Milan, nice. on the Inter Milan kit. Because so it's the classic. To... It's from the from the Pirelli, Pirelli yeah. era. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Beautiful. That might just be. It's still got the Italian connection, obviously, but that might be trumping my my national kit. So. Obviously, I've just missed the bit of good weather we've we've had <laughs> yeah, here yeah. for short jerseys, yeah. so you might have to might have to wait a few more weeks. Next year, mate. Next year, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, might have to wait a few weeks before it gets uh, it gets out. Yeah, you had a good ride the other day, though, didn't you? The uh, first Grand Fondo of the, in Scotland. Yes, yeah, yeah. First first hundred k in Scotland. We rode out uh, rode out with a friend out to kind of Helensborough. Yeah, yeah. And back back in kind of along the lock, and then back in. So it was nice. Monday was another beautiful day. Yeah. yeah. For it, managed to get the managed to get the legs out. I know I broke nice. I broke the rule of twenty or above, but I think I might have to break that rule a little bit more here in Scotland, yeah. or else my legs might be covered. Yeah, it's for like the foreseeable. A, it's handicapped in Scotland. It's actually like twelve degrees. Yeah, in the I'm gonna, yeah, 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 I might push it to thirteen yeah. or, or something for for lots of embro and, yeah. and get the legs out. I think you've got to get the tan lines working early if you want them to be peak by sort of June July. March is the time to start. I'm going away to uh, 
to Mallorca for, for a week in May, so maybe I'll just wear bib shorts on the beach. Yeah. Just to really cultivate the <laughs> That's an old cultivate Steve, the Steve Marsh Yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> I was once in uh, another had to drive down to Venice with some bikes, some Team Sky bikes once in the back of a bus. And we stopped off at Lake Como. And I remember him getting out and like sitting on sitting on the side of the, the lake and making sure his shorts were just perfectly lined up with his where his bib time line is <laughs> and just sitting there and he wouldn't move he'd just stay there perfectly still that's just because he wanted to get his t- it's not a psychological like uh, sports thing where you know like if, if you if your legs are really tanned people think that guy's been training flipping it he's been training the whole time is that what it is or is it just an aesthetic but that's I he think wants a him, clean line yeah he's just all about the clean line on uh, yeah i think it was probably more aesthetics with steve yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> He wasn't. He wasn't trying to like psych out the rest of the peloton. No, I think no. he just wanted those tan lines sharp yeah. as a razor. I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a like look. It. it's a strong look, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, for sure. But that's it, isn't it? It's like the the kit choices, the aesthetic choices. It's all part of your your armor, right? So if you're going out to crush butts on the bike, <laughs> yeah. you want to like we want people to be already like a little on the back foot. Look at this guy, Inter Milan style. Yeah, I think you want to be looking. Uh, looking as good as you can even if you're hanging off the back you still want to or i do anyway even yeah. if i'm struggling i kind of want to look half decent yeah. when i'm <laughs> blowing if, snot out of my nose and it's um <coughs> my it's best like, fabio aru face yeah. <laughs> With, yeah it's almost like your your lower lip is turned all the way back into your yeah, face yeah. <laughs> yeah when we spoke before it was like everything a deliberate choice and if you like commit to it so if you look deliberate you hanging out the back also a deliberate yeah. choice. Like, yeah, I want yeah. to do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, this is how I ride. Yeah. Rest day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every you... ride's a coffee ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I learned, uh, actually, like literally the other day, my mate Gary was saying that one of the big no-nos in, in aesthetics is short sleeves, but long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen a, I've, I've seen a bit of that in Scotland, I'm afraid, the last few weeks. It's not good. Yeah. Well, it just doesn't look good. Or is it just it kind really of shows it's like, doesn't yeah, it really make yeah, sense? Doesn't you're make not sense. thinking. <laughs> yeah. it I mean, it doesn't look good and it doesn't make <laughs> sense. There's a whole load of wrong with it, to be honest. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a bit anti-gatekeeping, but I, f- I feel like that's probably like, yeah, I d- yeah, I don't know. Are you yeah. the kind of person that would pull someone aside and say, <laughs> mate, just for next time, you know, this, this isn't working? <laughs> I mean, maybe if I didn't know, I wouldn't do it if somebody stopped at the lights on Polishaw's Road <laughs> and maybe full of a cross and go, oh, sorry, lad, I think you're... But <laughs> maybe if it was somebody I knew, I might have a quiet word, yeah. dish out the, you know, 50, 50 euro fine <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. for breaking, breaking the rules. Yeah, who are you, um, the fashion police? Yes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Tip number one to being cool is to not try too hard to be cool. Tip number seven to be cool is to assume that people like you. Weakness is not cool. Tip number three, wear a pair of sunglasses. Growing stubble is going to make you look cool. I think it has to do when you see a guy with a bit of stubble, you know, okay, like he's either got his own company, he's working in a job that he can decide to grow a beard. And guys, understand being cool all the time is not cool. So remember guys, don't try too hard. What are the other, or what are, let's actually make it specific to you. Leon's top three, okay, top three best aesthetic choices you can make on a bike and worst three uh, 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 no-nos i always i still always no matter how hot it gets i still always ride with a cap under my helmet i think that's a classic look and not to get too life in the peloton but 
Do you go brim up, brim down, <laughs> turned around, brim down, brim down, brim brim down, down. but you got to make sure you've got plenty of luft when you're at the coffee shop. Uber luft, does luft when you're drinking <laughs> coffee. Um, you take, you go, so when you stop, you take helmet off, gloves come off, gloves come off, hat, then reset the luft. Yeah. It's a good tip for anyone who's just picking up cycling to look, to look a thousand times better, isn't it? Just yeah. get the luft going. I'm fascinated by like this is what I think this is so much part of why I love cycling is like it's not just about the like kind of the most important thing is getting out on your bike right very easy that's an easy win but it's all the other little things that go alongside it like certain like etiquette and the way you carry yourself and all these things just makes it interesting anyway number two long socks not super long socks, not kind of like silly aero <laughs> try, yeah. try up, to you and, yeah, really like. up to you, but long socks. And then third one. Specific colour choice on the socks. Ooh, um, I normally go white or black. Love it. Yeah, white or black. I know a few people turn their nose up at black socks, but I still like a pair of black socks every mm. now and again. I mean, you can't beat a crisp pair of white, brand new white socks. And I've still got about seven pairs of those Columbia specials that Rafa did. Oh, yeah. In, that yeah, I, nice. you can wear about once before they're ruined. <laughs> yeah. um, so I've still got a, a few of those in bags. And then what would I say? I'm going to throw this out there. F- uh, full team kit. Yes. Yeah. Can't beat full team kit on a bike. Yeah, I'm all for it. I, I think you give me confidence to wear a full team kit. Seeing yeah. someone wear full team kit and pulling it off. Because a lot of the time you see some full team kit and it's like a replica jersey from China. And you're like, oh, it's you know, yeah. it's faded. It's not. Oh, it's not full. It's not the full thing. Yeah. It's either a, a jersey with some sh- random short. But I I'm mean, like, I think if you're gonna do it, go big or go yeah. home. I think you got to, you know, yeah. go full hammer. I'm yeah. talking leg warmers, arm warmers. First yeah. kit I ever bought was a full cofferdies kit, so and I had everything. Aero <laughs> booties. I was like, are we number? Oh. Are we number pinned to the <laughs> back? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I remember as well the first. The first kit I bought, I didn't really have anyone. I wasn't really riding with anyone at the time. I'd kind of bought a bike to do a charity ride that never materialized. And I didn't really understand how bike kit should fit. So I bought like an extra large because I was like, I was used to like wearing baggy clothes and so on and so So when I tried this kit on in the shop and it was really tight, I was like, oh, this just feels super uncomfortable. So I ended up buying this extra large like cough of this team kit. Soon realised, found friends that knew and t- taught me the way, and they were like, "Yeah, this is not. That's not how your bike kit should, you know, fit." Someone pulled your side at the traffic lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just for the next time. Yeah, more or less. You know, it was that big that like the chamois in my shorts kept catching on my seat when I was like, you know, it was like my dad had passed it down to me. But yeah, I soon realised that the tighter the kit was, the better. So yeah, yeah. Nice. now I'm still trying to slide myself into a small, and I'm yeah. like, yeah suddenly realising that I might need to start to go up to a, a shmedium. Shmedium, <laughs> yeah. Shmedium soon. Okay, right, give us your uh, give us your your top three faux pas or worst three. Socks over leg warmers or tights. That's quite common though. Yeah, shouldn't be. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Stop doing it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm socks under. Yeah, probably going back to what we just said, the kind of arms and then legs... Just think it looks a bit, again, doesn't look very aesthetically pleasing. I, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand why your arms would be out and your legs would be covered. Yeah. When your legs do most of the moving and probably be warmer than yeah, your does arms it just, would. It just points to someone who hasn't really 
given much thought to what they're about to yeah. put on. Probably mixing team kits. I do see that, and it's kind of like I love the team kit thing, but I yeah. can't be wearing an Everton shirt and Liverpool shorts. <laughs> and man, you know, God forbid a Celtic jersey and like Rangers short. You know, oh, it's no. like yeah. So that's probably another one. No mixing. No mixing team kits. Nice. If you're going to do it, pick your poison, pick yeah. your side, and that's go full full ham. Yeah. Full ham. I like it. Have you got some old old school team kit as well? Like apart from the Coffedis one, have you got a Rafa Condor J? I've still got Rafa Condor. JLT from when I again had my Condor bike and I used to roll around in full Condor kits. I've still got that. Yeah, I've got like five or six Italy kits. But that's it really. Mainly it's mainly Italy. I do I always go on that there's um I think they might be German. It's a website called Bob Shop. Uh yeah. And they have like tons of kits and I keep, you know, going on there and hovering over the buy button at some like weird Italian like Andre Giacottoni kit with like as many sponsors as they can and like <laughs> yeah. bottles of water printed on the back of the jersey. I'm kind of feeling that I might I might have to pull one of those out this this summer. Like as many spon- I love those European kits when they just oh, get yeah. as like they can't get one one big sponsor, so they get like fifty and they're plastered <laughs> yeah. all over the kit. Over time, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. Nostalgia. It's like how many how many sponsors can we fit on this kit? Like, I suppose that maybe our listeners listeners will be thinking, wait a minute, I'm a kind of guy that does like to wear long tights and a short sleeve. Who is this guy to tell me what to do? They're just my dislikes. I mean, I wouldn't, and like I said earlier, like I don't like I don't like that voluminous and gatekeeping. It's like if you're riding your bike, great, you know, and that's and that's the thing. And I think it's I definitely used to be, and I can hold my hands up. Like when I first met Tony, and I was a lot younger, and like the Rafa thing. There was a lot more gatekeeping. It was oh man, I'd never, you know, duh, you know, seeing what he's wearing. Duh. If yeah. you're in the coffee shop, that's you know, and that was just you know, I was a lot younger. But now it's like if I see it, I'd be like, I wouldn't do it myself. But just be sick in your mouth and then yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's like look, if you're getting out and riding your bike, whatever. Yeah. I mean, honestly, in all you know, all honesty, wear whatever makes you comfortable. But I mean, they're just my. You just wouldn't catch me doing it. I mean, yeah. that's not to say, you know, don't li- don't ever leave your house like it. I mean, do whatever. <laughs> You'll be there throwing the bead on as you go past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do whatever makes you feel feel like like I say. I certainly yeah. don't want to become a like a gatekeeper, but it's kind of. But you you spent a lot of your career in the cycling fashion world and also just in the fashion fashion world. I guess that's how you and Tony first met, right, at Rafa. Yep. What is it like to work for cycling's sexiest? Um, Couture company, apparel company. I mean, again, if you want to go back to things, it's like they were really, you know, when we go on a shoot, it, that you know, it's really strict on that. They wouldn't let me wear like leg warmers and arms, you know, that would have been a big no-no for them. So, yeah, there's certain things that, that rules that they go by and that, you know, that would probably be one of them. And I'm sure I don't think they would have let me put socks over leg warmers and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess... My dislikes of some of the industry's dislikes, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Yeah, sure. I sort of get passed down as well, don't you? Yeah. Who you've ridden with and what That's you've learned from yeah. people. So you go on a Rafa shoot and we see the video... And it's like, oh man, that's amazing. Those guys just had a drone following them and then the car must have gone ahead and shot them coming around this corner. But is it like, is it as exciting as that or is it just pretty much like smash it up these hairpins until we get the shot that we like? No, I mean, it's very much that, the, you know, the Rafa shoots and people kind of think they're quite staged, but they're not. It's kind of, they do pick a route and we go for a ride and the photographer will hang out the back of a car. Hopefully we don't meet the law on the way and they'll take some pictures. And yeah, you might have to go back and 
do a hairpin a couple of times, but nine times out of ten, you go out and do a ride and they get the shots they need. Yeah. See, when it comes to video, you might have to do a few takes to get you know video right and stuff like that. But all the ones I've gone on most of the time, it is you know it's it's proper riding for the day, and they'll have a route planned and they'll know some scenic routes they probably want to go on and yeah. hairpins that will look good for shots. But it, not yeah, like I say, nine times out of ten, it is it's a proper it's a proper ride. Or it's like a dream for me. I would love like a wee documentation of every ride of this. <laughs> I mean, I've been super, you know, super lucky. I was just right place, right time. Obviously, like we just said, I, you know, I started going into the Rafa shop. I mean, I don't think Brewer Street had been open for that long when I first started going in there. And obviously, Tony was working there. And there was a lot of people riding, but it wasn't the amount there is now. And even the scene in London has blown up tenfold compared to what it was you know back then i'd like to see a video of like regent's park on a friday morning or one of the mornings you know 10 years ago compared to what it is now the numbers have you know grown massively it's like it's it's gone from a few small different pelotons if you want to call it that in the park to now like a friday morning it turns into one massive one because there's that many people riding like the groups just you know come together um must be like a million pounds worth of bike yeah, I going mean, around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bonkers. So, like I said, I was just very, very lucky. It's kind of right place, right time. Yeah. I was riding my bike all the time and started riding with the guys at work there. And you know, James you- Fairbank, who was you know head of marketing at the time, was like, "Do you want to come and do a lookbook?" Well, you know, I have only been riding for a year. I'd only been riding properly for a year at that time. Two thousand and that was two thousand and twelve or thirteen, and it's you know two thousand and twenty-two now, and I'm still doing stuff stuff for them so i'm pretty i'm pretty lucky to be honest yeah do you remember the first time you, you clapped eyes on tony you know what i'm i'm not gonna lie i don't i don't either it, they, they blur into one yeah, so yeah, many yeah. espressos over the counter exactly i can't really remember i do thing. miss that old i mean what they've done now is great and they've had to get bigger obviously because the company's grown and the community's grown in london but i don't think they'll ever beat that small first store where you worked and we used to congregate in that corner and you know after a ride that kind of became the corner yeah. you know to have an espresso or a post post ride coffee yeah yeah i don't think that club will never be that have hold that kind of vibe that it did yeah that corner sort of back became, then you know on friends the sofa like yeah. if someone else was sat in that corner when the, oh, yeah. the regulars would <laughs> yeah. come in they'd be a bit like oh no what's gonna happen <laughs> but that was the yeah, the place where like you, Rob, Matt Barbette, yeah, like all those, all, all the you know the original, all the OGs, yeah. It's like a, is it like a band that you go and see them in uh, some like little tiny venue in the middle of nowhere? Five years later, they're playing stadiums, and you're like, ah, oh, it's <laughs> never as good as that first time we saw. Them. I guess kind of, but I guess as a brand, they had to grow as well, and you know they'd outgrown that. That's the, I mean, if you want to, the third shop fit they've had now because they've yeah. just. You know they've out, they made it bigger and now they've made it bigger again and they've out, outgrown the space. So yeah. you know it naturally it naturally becomes you know something different. And I guess if you were there at the start, you get a little bit like oh you know yeah back to nostalgia. Yeah. yeah yeah. I think there's people who hate on Rafa a lot, but I I think like it's just turned into a big sportswear brand, and I'd rather it be a, a company full of people who love cycling, yeah. which it's still like there's still a lot of people there. And cycling's definitely still at its core, isn't it? Like, yeah. Rather that than Adidas, who are just like jumping in on a. That's it. On another, yeah. Mm-hmm. On another and I think for me, I've got 
I like the old shop so much more because I've got more memories there. If that make you know that makes yeah. sense. Not that I haven't created memories, you know, with the new space they've done and the and the, and the space before that. But just that first meeting Tony and Tom Perrin and Reese and you know all the guys that work there, Chris Peacock and you know I can reel off names and that, like some real good you know memories from there. Spent way too much time in there to be honest um and you know on the ride we did to brighton that once you know after we watched the tour stage and all rode to brighton and back in the same night you know i've got some real good memories yeah. from that you know from that space that was one of those you were just like you watched the tour you had a group of guys that was you're all just kind of hungry to be on your bikes someone just suggested let's go to brighton and everyone yeah, was just I, like yes i don't know whose idea it was i can't i can't remember but it was a bit more organised, wasn't it? Because yeah. we all had the same kit on. Same kit on. <laughs> I, went to, I went to Condor and bought a load of the same hats. It yeah. was when like Rafa was still big on the chartreuse. Yeah, so it was yeah. like black jersey, chartreuse armband, black short, chartreuse, Rafa. Oof. Um, chartreuse socks. Yep, yeah, chartreuse socks. <laughs> and we watched, I think they'd done two ascents of El Duez, I yeah. think. It was like one of the big, yeah, big yeah. stages of the tour. So we watched that. And then I think we left like half five, quarter to six or something. You know, a stage normally finishes, especially big mountain stage, yeah. five o'clock-ish. So it can't have been much before six o'clock. We left, rode down to Brighton, caught the sunset, ate fish and chips, then tried to haul ourselves back up Devil's Dyke with yeah. a stomach full of fish and <laughs> chips. They did two cents of out the ways. You did two cents of Ditchling Peak. <laughs> yeah. There you go, yeah, yeah. Who's the winner. <laughs> but yeah, like, so coffee, as iconic coffee stops go... So obviously that would have been one in your early cycling career, like get back to Brewer Street, have a debrief. Tony's view of you, he, he well, when you first went on your ride this year, he came back to me and worked the next day and he was like, Leon smashes the coffee. <laughs> so are you, are you an advocate for uh, like a mid-ride stop? Or do you prefer to just leave it at the end and have like a proper unwind? Or is it both? I guess it depends on how long the ride is. Like, we did what fifty odd k. I don't think I'd be up for a mid ride coffee stop. But we the ride I did on Monday it was a hundred k. So we stopped. Well, with probably about twenty k left. Yeah, nice. had a bit of a sandwich, bit, had a coke, and then rode home. But yeah, I, I I think yeah I'm an advocate for both. But I guess it just depends. I mean, if I was in somewhere beautiful in Italy, then I might advocate like a 25k stop yeah, if it was yeah, like yeah. beautiful scenery for a cheeky little espresso. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think the scenery has to be has to be right, yeah. I think. Yeah, you're not going to stop on the outskirts of Glasgow, just no, beat the, the traffic the and then yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. have a wee... You're but I'm, I'm definitely an advocate for a double espresso and then a, and then a coffee after it, yeah, that's, doubling up. Oh yeah, that was it. So yeah, when we went out for a ride, you came in straight for the double espresso and a flat white. And it was unfortunate that Jess happened to come down at the same time and thought that you'd got that for her. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, no, 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 no. No, this is mine. These are both mine. I'll get you and a new one. Awesome. I'll get you a fresh one. <laughs> yeah. So is that the, the Italian in you that has that, like, you know, espresso is for quick and then the longer drink is for chilling and social? Yeah, I guess so. I guess I've probably watched too many Italian programmes and pretend I'm more Italian than I probably am <laughs> <laughs> even though I am um, but yeah um, I probably lean more into that than than anything else to be yeah. honest so yeah I do cheeky little double espresso and then a, a coffee coffee does, chaser does that make its way into your morning routine as well like will you try and do that at home 
Like, did you do that this morning? I do if I've got time. I didn't this morning because I knew we'd probably be having a coffee here, but I will probably find somewhere to stop and have a double espresso on the way, on the way back. I do try and, you know, have a, if it's a mucker pot or, you know, double espresso in the morning, I do. To be honest as well, I'm quite bad. I go through like phases. Like I've got an espresso machine, like a, a machine that makes espresso at home and then for weeks I'll be in the habit of getting up and I'll, you know, do the measures and the tamping and, and then other times it'll just be, or oh, mucker pot will do. just yeah. depends what kind of... Any port in a storm sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. what vibe I'm, I'm feeling. But at the minute I'm definitely in the using the proper machine mode at the minute. Nice. It makes it easier with the, the mornings a bit lighter. Like you feel like you've maybe got a bit more time and you can enjoy the routine. I think the only... It's one of the only times in my coffee career that I've refused to make a drink that a customer wanted was they wanted a cup of filter, like a cup of pour over, and then an espresso poured into it. Uh, yeah. And I just said, like, I will make you both those drinks, but I'm not. I, 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 I'm not. What pouring. is the point of that? What, what's. I don't know. Does it add body? And yeah. it's obviously someone who wants, like, a shitload of caffeine right. all at once. I don't get it. Yeah. So I was just like, also it was, it was at the cartel. So I was like, do you want me to get the manager? Yeah, I'm the manager. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's uh, my favourite. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you speak to the boss. Maybe um, they were just, just trying to turn around. You. Yeah, or or like, just been like, this guy, I need to really prove that I like coffee here. So yeah. let's take a filter, a double espresso and just put them together. Yeah. I better prove that I really like booze. So let me have a, a beer and can I have a shot of what, vodka? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't get it. I was just like, ah, no, sorry. Sorry, sir. How, how are you finding the difference in coffee? Uh, shops and places to go and drink in Glasgow compared to London there's much there. there's not much to be honest especially around here yeah when people ask me you know what it's like since moving here and that's one of the things that it's kind of on a level with London is is coffee for for me I mean it's like where you guys are good coffee and like outlier and there's like Godshot and there's you know there's loads around here and it's not to uh, how do I put this in the right way with that? But I was quite shocked that the the amount of coffee in such a small, you know, such a small area, the amount of good coffee there is. Oh, I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, especially th- this side of the river seems. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like we're in a we're in a place now where it used to be pretty much the West End, and then a couple of places on the South Side. But now it feels like the South Side's where it's yeah, at yeah. coffee wise. Like, I mean, I, when me and Jess first moved here. I said straight away, I was like, I can't believe there's that many good coffee shops in such a small, you know, couple that have opened on Skirving Street now as well. And it's like yeah, every yeah. every road you turn down, there seems to be like a, a new place bakery-wise or... And I think you have to serve good coffee nowadays anyway. I don't think you get away with bad coffee. Everybody's yeah. become a bit of a coffee connoisseur or a yeah. coffee snob i don't think you can get away with serving dodgy coffee if you wanted to anyway to be honest no matter where you were in the world well i, I reckon that there is there is still a a space for like a really traditional uh like italian i don't know what you call it like i, I called it an osteria the other day not an osteria but like you know that's if you kind just, of my that is my dream to is it? Like yeah. that, like a little espresso bar where you just come in you stand you throw your whatever your euro down or your pan coin bang yourself an espresso back and on, on you go yeah a wee, a wee brown sugar in it yeah done and if you had it i'm sure if you had it like the, the messaging around it was so clear it was like 
This is not a, th a third, fourth wave coffee shop. This is like Italian roasted coffee and this is, you're coming in for an Italian moment. Grab yourself a cannoli or... Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And then on your way. Yeah. Leon's. Yeah, that is, that is the dream. Any investors listening? <laughs> <laughs> uh, drop me a yeah. message. <laughs> we'll have uh, some of the dragons on. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm here to give you Leon's Italian moment. <laughs> have you got any favourite coffee shops that you like to go to anywhere in the world, wherever you go? My favourite, again, and this just go, going back to kind of like the memories it, it gives me is, is Giro in Isha. Beyond doubt, probably one of my like favourite places to stop for a coffee. And again, that's just going back to, I was riding loads i was single so i was riding loads <laughs> um and it was like we just leave at silly o'clock you know i'd have to be at work at 10 o'clock and like be up at four o'clock to go and ride to zero or whatever you know five o'clock to go and have a coffee and porridge to ride back go to work on a saturday and yeah you know jordan's done a great job there and it's really become a hub in london and, and surrey um so yeah that's i can probably say hands down that's probably my favorite coffee shop to go to and i literally put a post up a few days you know saying i do miss those little you know jaunts oh, yeah. to i mean for me you know i'd ride there just to have an espresso and it's like 85 90k from my house <laughs> and i would literally get up and ride on my own just to go and even if jordan wasn't there just to go and sit in the window and have a coffee and ride back it's probably my favorite yeah, yeah you know and you're doing something right when someone wants to cycle 90 kilometers for an espresso at your yeah, place, yeah, don't you? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not just about the coffee in that case then it's all about like the vibe the the atmosphere yeah, and everything it was just, right? again it had like again a little bit like Rafa and, and like it had that cheers effect it was like you know where everybody knows. Yeah. you know you go in there and there'd always be somebody like you know I could go into Rafa at any time of the day and they'd normally be you know, not and not just the staff that work there but somebody would have finished a ride and gone back there as well and Giro was the same it's like you could kind of roll in there and nine times out of ten or you know somebody would be there you knew and you could have a chat even if you hadn't rode together, you could have a coffee together and then be on your way. So yeah. nice. That's, that's, that's that crossover in cycling and coffee, the community aspect, mm. isn't it? Of like yeah. being out on the bike with someone or having a local, like meet up, meeting neighbours that you might not meet in your stairwell, but you see them in the yeah. coffee shop and just getting to know the community on both, yeah. isn't it? Like, well, I think we spoke about it before. It's like we rode a few Sundays ago and after we finished, you know, it's very rare that you both go your separate ways without having a coffee unless you've completely dosed up on the, on the ride and you can't take anymore. You were just saying, recycling, there's a community of we're going to stop and have a coffee and, you know, and now have a proper chat. I run a little bit, not as much as I used to when I was injured on the bike. I took up running and, and started running with Highgate Harriers and they'd like their version of a Sunday ride, the Sunday run. There'd be no coffee. It'd be like, right, we meet at nine, we set off, everybody finishes and goes home. There's there's a real thing, like you say, with cycling. It, it is the culture is to sit down and catch up, whereas other sports, unless you play five-a-side football yeah. and you go and sit in the pub after, yeah. you know, I, I don't know that about running. It's not the same. Yeah. yeah. You know, it is like we finish our run, we you know, go home. Miserable bastards. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this man's elegance. No movement is wasted. It's a ballet at the machine. Everything is perfect. Look at him go. It's a dance. It's a dance between man and machine. No, it's not. He's making coffee. No. I guess that, like that's it. Accidents can happen. You had a really bad accident. That changed, or did? Do you think it changed your view on cycling or your relationship with cycling in the short term and then obviously long term? I'm definitely starting to get 
the pre-crash love back for the bike. It's taken me a while. Obviously, like I, I broke my arm in in seven places, end of December 2017. And yeah, and it took me, I mean, I didn't ride outside for nine months. And then even after that, I was still a bit like, you know, I don't know if I can want to ride anymore. And But I'm getting, you know, I'm getting the love back now and getting on the turbo more and, and getting out more. So yeah, it's definitely, it changed it for a little bit, but now it's, I'm getting the love back again. Yeah. Do you, what happened in the crash? The other thing, we didn't really go over that before. Um, like. So I was, and again, this is the funny thing. I'd kind of fallen out of love with the bike and I hadn't been riding much. And it's kind of one of those things, again, like going back to what we'd, when I first met Tony and we were all riding, there was a crit scene going, but like not everybody was racing. We were just riding our bikes because we love riding our bikes. And it was about going out for a coffee and riding our bikes and, you know, maybe sprinting for a town sign and kicking it up the hills. But then the rest of the ride, it was it was just chilled and we were just a good group riding together. And then it was like more and more people started racing and every ride started to become a bit like a numbers game. And so I started to fall out of love with the bike because like everybody I'd started riding with were racing and it was all about like, like every ride was like full hammer. And I was like, I'm not really enjoying this. I was like, it's not, I don't want to be doing this so wasn't riding as much and anyway went out for this one ride that I hadn't been on my bike for ages and George was like come on let's get out I just split up with long-term girlfriend and Christmas time and all that so he's like come on we'll go out for a ride um, and we looked at the weather and it was really icy so we we didn't leave till like half 11 or 12 we sat in Rafa and was like just drinking coffee let the ground thaw was like, we'll stick to the main roads and it shouldn't be too bad about half two in the afternoon, I was following Georgie's wheel. We weren't even going that fast, like 20-odd K an hour or something. And my wheel just went. One minute the wheel was there. Next minute it wasn't. I must have caught the last bit of black ice, yeah. you know, on front the road. Wheel. Front wheel. Fuck. Um, bike went out to the right. You know, I went the other way. And instinctively, you know, as you do, you just put your arm out. And I think the doctor said, because we were probably going so slow... My whole of my weight just went on my oh on my left arm, basically shattered it in seven places. Had to have some pins in there to have an operation. So yeah, two days before New Year's Eve, managed to Happy New Year. Yeah, yeah, Happy New Year indeed. Did, did you know straight away? Were you like, oh fuck? Um, I didn't actually. I kind of like as most people probably do, and you have a little bit of a ding unless it's seriously bad. You kind of jump up, don't you? The adrenaline's going, and you know, I jumped up to check my bike as you do <laughs> I was on my nibbly specialised I was like oh, priorities <laughs> oh, is the bike alright and the bike was alright and and then after the adrenaline wore, wore off I kind of then I realised I was like could feel my collarbone and you know my wrist was pretty sore and starting to swell pretty quickly so we were in the middle of nowhere so obviously George phoned an ambulance because they were so busy I think the time of year they were like has he bumped his head and I hadn't you know, has he stopped breathing? I hadn't. Is he bleeding, you know, from his ears or his head? I hadn't. So they were like, all right, well, could take up, you know, could take however long to get you an ambulance because you're not. And I didn't know I'd done the damage to my arm at that stage. Yeah. So they were like, oh, well, it could take forever. You know, you'll keep getting pushed down the, you know, down the line. If somebody comes in with a worse, you know, worst incident, the ambulance going to go to them. So yeah, we, luckily we crashed by like, we was in Essex and it was like one of those places where there was just like a random set of three houses, like on a lane in the middle of nowhere. 
woman come out, let us store the bike. I had to get a taxi back to Hamilton and George rode back in and met me back at the hospital and then picked my bike up a couple of days later. And as soon as I got into the hospital, they took one look at my arm and they were like, right, straight through on the gas and air. Yeah. And then I had to wait about another month, I think, for the operation because the... The doctors were away on their on their holidays. On their skiing holidays. Their skiing yeah. holiday, yeah. January, Verbier, yeah. wherever he was. So yeah, I didn't ride again until I think it was August or September before I, I rode outside. Got on the turbo, but it took me a while before I was confident enough. And then recovery. So now we're well that's like five years later. The love is coming back. The love is coming back. You know, I'd still watch all the big races and, yeah. and stuff. But yeah, now I'm like, you know, riding my bike again and enjoying yeah. enjoying getting out so yeah it's kind of a head fuck isn't it like you're sort of you think or you're obviously still interested in the sport you're maybe not feeling physically and mentally up to it like do you want to go into a bit about your like coping with that and your journey around yeah i mean health? i've um you know as the you know i did the video we missed the where are we now to covid's just ro- rolled all the years into <laughs> yeah, so yeah, 2020 yeah. i did the the little film with Mr. Porter about, you know, my struggle with depression and, and mental health. And I'd always struggled with my mental health ever since uh, my late teens, early 20s, and tried to take my life when I was 21. And kind of, you know, as it was back then, it was kind of wasn't spoken about the way it is now. And it was very much just like, you know, just a bit sad, you know, yeah. deal with it. There's nothing wrong with your kind of thing. Um and I'd start. I'd use. I was also using the bike a little bit as an as a bit of an escape kind of mechanism to deal with stuff. But the end of two thousand and seventeen, I'd really had a bad year. I was in a job where I hated my job and wasn't enjoying it, and that started to really affect home life. And the partner I was with at the time, we broke up. We'd been together for a, a, a long time, but that kind of disintegrated because of my mental health. Then the end of the year I had that crash you know I'd moved back in with friends which love them to this day still but I was like you know I've gone from living with a partner to now being back in a lad's house they're partying every weekend and I'm certainly you know I wasn't the party animal I used to be so I was like all right and it's just kind of like at a combination of things at the end of that 2017 um kind of made me write a post on Instagram I think it was New Year's Day kind of got up and I was like sat in this house on my own. I was like, right, you know, wrote a post and said like, you know, I think I'm, well, I hadn't got a diagnosis, but I was like, you know, I suffer with depression. I kind of self-diagnosed myself at that stage Um, and kind of wrote it on Instagram as a bit of a kind of, what's the word? I wasn't asking for help, but it was kind of like, I know I need to go and get help. And I'd mentioned it to, to my ex at the time. I was like, I think I suffer with depression. And I thought that was enough. I was like, right, I've told her, that's fine. I can carry on being a knob around the house. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, I never thought about getting any proper help. So anyway, on that that New Year's Day, you know, I wrote that post. And it was, again, like I say, it wasn't to ask for people to come and like see if I was all right. That was me kind of going, right, if I write this post, I've got to go and get some help. Because I can't just, can't get up on New Year's Day and go, I suffer with severe depression and then on the 2nd of January go oh, April Fool's um, yeah, you know yeah. that, that was a bit of a like yeah. a kick up my own ass. really yeah. I was like right once I've put it out there I've got to go and you know get this looked into and thankfully you know again George Marshall and another friend of mine Scott who lives in Brighton 
you know, took me, made sure I went to go and see a doctor and I was diagnosed with severe depression and put on antidepressants and stuff. And now, yeah, I'm a bit, you know, I'm a bit of an advocate, you know, about people speaking out about their head, especially men, because I still think it's a bit of a, a taboo. Certainly not what it was, but it's still yeah a bit of a taboo nowadays for, for guys to go, oh, you know, I'm struggling. It's still, hopefully we're the last generation... Yeah. It's like that. Hopefully I don't know. You'd like to you'd like to think. Yeah. I guess it depends, you know, where you're brought up as well and you know. But I I'd like to think that that's, you know, the case. Yeah. But, yeah. And I guess it's like the more the more people like you, like people would look at you and think, right, there's like a big handsome boy on his bike, looks like he's got a good job, like what's he got to be Exactly, about kind of thing. It's the, that's the classic cliche, isn't it? Exactly, and that's again going back to the Mr. Porter thing. You know, I probably used Instagram as a bit of a like most of us do as well, or you know, I certainly did. If I'm having a crap day now, I'll put it on there, and I'm a bit more true uh, or a lot truer than I used to be. But it was a bit of a laughing and joking, dancing in the shop. You know, it goes and rides his bike all over the place for Rafa. What has he got to moan about? Yeah. Um, and I still think that is the case. A lot of people like, you know, use Instagram as a bit of a, as a bit of a filter. Instagram can be really bad, but I mean, it's been great for me in some in in one sense because I've certainly wouldn't have met or got the help that I did get if it wasn't for that. And it allowed me to, if it wasn't for Instagram, I don't know if I'd have gone and got help. To be honest, I'd have yeah. probably just carried on yeah, doing so you, what I was doing. You create the social contract, don't you? You put it out there. Yeah, you've done that for yourself. So it's like, this is going to keep me honest and keep me That's on it. track for actually getting help. That's the, the mad thing about it is that it's kind of what we said before, like with your arm, like my arm's not right. So go doctors, doctor assesses it. Right, you need surgery, you need pins, exactly. rehab. It. So the difference between that and, you know, no one would look at you and be like, well, he's got, uh, you know, he's a big, good looking boy, he's riding his bike. He's got no reason to have a broken arm. But yeah. like, that's just another thing that's, you know, it's just a it. thing that's went that's gone wrong. Kind of going back to the you know the antidepressants. I was still really, I was still really anti taking them, you know, because of the stigma it had. And you know, I, I remember my dad, you know, years ago when I was in hospital after trying to take my own life the first time, you know, overhear him talking to the doctor, and he was like, "Oh, you know, have you ever thought about antidepressants?" And I remember my dad saying, "My son doesn't need those things," you know, rah 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 and wouldn't let me take them. So I was still kind of like, oh, you know, I'm a weirdo if I take these, you know, take these tablets. But now, again, what you just said, it's like the way I look at it now is if you've got a broken arm, you get it fixed. If, you know, a headache, you take a tablet. I don't I don't see why there's such a stigma for, you know, for them still. They're just part of my daily routine now. I get up double espresso and a brain biscuit and <laughs> it's just, you know, I carry on with my day. That's kind of, yeah. you know, so... I think that for me now, the stigma of that is completely gone for me anyway. Yeah. Brain biscuits. Yeah, that's, that's, a good that's, one. that's yeah. the word. So yeah, Nick Friend though, um, so he has a, a charity Ascend and it's, you know, it's about getting, you know, people to talk and mental health and he's doing some amazing things. I, I think he's off riding his bike in, in Italy now. I think he's gone to do a bit of a, a bike, bike packing trip, which I'm very jealous about. Nice. I think he's riding to Milan as well and, Copycat, like that. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's doing it first. He's actually, doing it first, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some some leader that's following it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, what he's doing with the charity is is amazing, and 
not just men. I think you know it's it's getting everybody involved, women as well, to talk and and like I say, it's great how many you know different charities there are now, and brands are a bit more willing to you know tell people's tell people's stories. You know, yeah. obviously that Mr. Porter did that in conjunction with the jersey they were doing with Rafa, and I don't know, maybe I don't know five six years ago, you might not have got a brand doing that because it still was a bit like people were a bit standoffish. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't think I don't think people are like that anymore, which is obviously amazing, you know, yeah. that people are willing to tell people's people's stories. Yeah, the platforms are there for people to That's go and have it, a look yeah. at now, aren't they? And I still get that video is nearly three years old this year. And I still get people messaging me now saying they've only just watched it and it's helped them go and get help or tell a partner or tell family and Yeah. Or, you know, if they're struggling they you know, they've watched it a hundred times and they go back to it. So it's probably the pre- one of the proudest things I've, you know, been part of, to be honest. Yeah. We'll definitely, you should go and watch it. We'll stick it in the, yeah. in the link. Definitely. We'll. I think we spoke on the ride. I think <clears throat> maybe going to try and do an Ascend ride in, in Glasgow. Yeah. Spoke to Nick and he's up for it. So we'll get them on a, an Ascend road trip. Yeah. And he's partnered up with Rafa to do some nice looking kit as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, I think there's a kit actually now that you can, I think it doesn't close till the end of April, so there's pre-order for some from a new Ascend kit, and obviously the money goes to to the charity, so it's a good good cause, and it's a nice kit. I mean, as as advocates for mental health, go like you're amazing to, to me. I mean, the first yeah. time I laid eyes <laughs> when when I asked you before about like, do you remember the first time you laid eyes on Tony? I remember the first time I laid eyes on you, and I just thought that man is beautiful. <laughs> I, I will listen. I will listen to anything that guy says, and I will take it on board. And I think, yeah, like as as a mental health advocate, like obviously you're using your your position to to help people in 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 a way. So it's like, yeah, unbelievable. And also great to have for you to have the love for the bike back. We should definitely get riding. A hundred percent. Weather's one. getting better. Yeah. yeah. No excuse. Exactly. Duke it out for some village signs. I might bring out a short sleeve long trouser thing just to throw you guys off. <laughs> oh, that was, just bring it. I'll I'll, I'll put uh, my socks over my leg. <laughs> I've got a new crush. <laughs> oh, what a guy. So nice. Can't wait to get out on the bike with him. Yeah. Big time. A new Glasgow hitter. Yeah. And style guru. King of couture. The king of couture. And I actually like, you said it in the interview as well, like his, his advice does give you confidence about like, you know, commit to your, commit to your style choice and then that's you. Yeah. You know, like, for sure. Confidence. Yeah. And yeah, he's a big, beautiful man and loved spending a bit of time with him. Definitely a future uh, Croc Monsieur's oh, yeah. prospect. See, one thing, Leon, if you're listening back, you did miss out when you were talking about your top five best clothing for on the bike. Toe shoot, toe covers. Leon needs his own, his own uh, toe cover brand. He loves his toe sh- toes. Toesies. That's going to be his, his next big fashion statement, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Even the way he speaks about Milan, we definitely got to go and find that best sandwich ever. Yeah. The inside. For sure. Uh, yeah, we should try and get to 
Milan train station and find that best sandwich ever. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, I also just can't wait to go to the Madonna now as well. Yeah, the way you spoke about it, just being in there. I mean, it's a pilgrimage now. That's, that's what we're doing, isn't it? Yeah. I'm hungry for the trips now. Hungry for the trips, hungry for the chips. Oh, we're going to eat so many chips. Yeah. How's your training? Pretty good, actually. I actually had a good week last week. The drop in temperature has affected me a wee bit, though. Yeah. Just like, hate getting cold. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in full long sleeves, long trousers today. It's actually just leaving the house. It makes yeah. me think, ah, oh, fuck this. But I should toughen up a bit. <laughs> what about you, man? Feeling good. Haven't been able to get out as much as possible as much as I wanted to, but other stuff going on, coffee, yeah. building bars. Building bars, dropping cars. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we're, we're back on it now. Have a nice weekend this win weekend. And like, I mean, it's always inspirational when a big race comes up, isn't it? Yeah. Tomorrow, the Ronde von Flandre. Your pronunciation there, Tony, is, I would say, exquisite. <laughs> I thought, uh, right, listen, uh, links. There's links to all the stuff that Leon spoke about in the podcast, the Mr. Porter episode, Nick's charity Ascend, uh, and all the other stuff will be, and Leon's Instagram. We'll put that in the bio. Uh, you can get in contact with us, antiecoffee.antiecoffee on Instagram, or by email, podcast at anti.coffee. The time is approaching where we're looking for people to meet us on the roadside on the NC500. We'll make you a cup of coffee. If you want to book that in, get in touch. Let's schedule it. Uh, and I thought, Tony, the way we could finish this episode, because it's coming out after this year's Ronde van Flandern, we could try and recreate last year's epic sprint battle who do you want to be Askren or MVP I'll I'll go with MVP you've got the blue on today so I think you'll be the Askren nice such an Askren <laughs> right so we'll do one lap and it's just going to be who's noshing it as requested it might be pornographic <laughs> so here we go Tony as MVP off the front me young Casper just sitting in the wheel and what an excellent view I have of my victory. Matthew takes a look around and here they go, they light it up, they light it up and Askren, it's Askren! <laughs> I'm sorry, was that your auntie? Was that your auntie? Was that your auntie? Anybody want coffee? I'm making coffee. Anybody want coffee? Was that your auntie? I'm making myself a cup of coffee. Anybody want? Joy for cycling fans globally. What an effort that was. I'm having a cup of coffee. I absolutely love that. Look, I'm a